Ephesians chapter 5. I want to preach this morning, where did the church come from? We kind of mentioned this last Sunday. We want to kind of uh, move through it again and try to bring us to the conclusion or the understanding of where did the church come from. And I believe if you would understand where the church came from, may the church be important to you as it should be. Amen. And so, again, I want to say thank you to Sister Kaylin, Sister Mary, Sister Sophia, Sister Teresa, uh, Sister Cindy, uh, and anyone else that I may not be thinking of helping us on our Valentine's banquet. Uh, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of things that you got to put in play, a lot of preparations, and uh, I do thank you for that so much and looking forward to the next time. Amen? All right, Ephesians chapter 5. Let's stand to our feet, if you don't mind, this morning uh, in honor of God's Word. And let's try to come to a conclusion this morning. Where did the church come from? Chapter 5. And we'll begin reading in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Uh, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus this morning. We thank you for the reading of your word. And I pray today, dear God, that you'd open our eyes towards it. Father, I ask you, dear God, that you'd help us to make a clear understanding about what Paul is speaking of here in Ephesians chapter 5 concerning the church and Christ. God, help us to know, dear God, where the church came from. God, that we may learn to love it and be more important in our lives. Father, I ask you now, Lord, to open each heart. God, they may see their need for salvation. They may see that they have a need for a relationship with Christ. Father, may they see today, dear God, that Christianity is a marriage with Jesus. God, may it be real in their lives. Father, may you bring conviction upon our hearts. May you, God, persuade us of the faith in Christ. God, may souls be saved today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So you find in this chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, the word church is mentioned several times. It's telling us this morning that in the context of this scripture, it's talking about the church and Christ. And so he's using it in a marriage So that we can understand a marriage that God has instituted, has instituted marriage so that he could show forth to the world and all the world uh, that a marriage is like a church 
and Christ. Like salvation, it's a relationship. And so this morning, a church this morning, if you are the church and you are uh, been born again, then you'll find that you're in relationship with Christ. And that relationship with Christ is a marriage. And that marriage is demonstrated by the marriages of each one of you today, by being saved and born again and married today. And so we see very clearly that uh, the Paul, who's the, who has been the one who has penned this down by the Holy Spirit of God, is referencing Genesis chapter 2. We see that there in, there in verse, uh, two, verse, 32, verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. He's talking about the church and Christ. Talking about Christianity. Talking about salvation. Talking about being born again. Talking about going to heaven when you die. Talking about uh, you uh, and I this morning must be in a relationship, just like a relationship in a marriage. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 2. And let's talk about this here back from where the church came from. And so the church came from out of Genesis chapter 2. And we talked a little bit about that. But I want to say number one uh, this morning that the church is God's idea. The church is God's idea. It's not man's idea. Man didn't make up church. Man didn't decide to go to church. Man isn't the one who had the ideal of church. Man has nothing to do with church. You see a church this morning, we see its buildings, we see its walls, we see its carpet, we see its pews, we see its grounds, we see its grass, uh, we see all that we have seen right here, and this is a church building. And in a church building is where the church go. And in a church setting such as this this morning, it was God's idea. And being God's ideal today, I would think if you had any respect for God, if you stood in awe of God in any way, if you had any type of reverence towards God, that you would be sympathetic and maybe you'd be kind of concerned in your life about what God's ideal is. For it's God's ideal, it ought to persuade you, it ought to move you in such a way to say, wait a minute. If the church is God's idea, not man's idea, I need to find more about it. I need to get more involved in it. I need to become part of it. I need to find out that if I'm separate from the church, I'm outside of the church, I'm away from the church, that's not God's idea. God's idea is the church. And we find that here in Genesis chapter 2. As we look at it, and we see in Ephesians that the man would represent Christ and the woman would represent the church. We see in Genesis chapter 2 in verse 18, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, the Lord God said, that God who created the world, the God who's the God of all gods and the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the Lord of glory, that God who's no other God but this God has said. And what did he say? He said, It is not Good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Now the man is Christ this morning. That's who the man is speaking of. And so we find that God looked upon the world, looked upon the garden, looked upon mankind, and he looked and said, here's Christ, a man, and he should not be alone. Christ should not be alone. 
And in that mindset, God said about Christ and about His Son of that I, as God, is going to give Him a help me. I'm going to give Him a bride. I'm going to give Him a wife. Amen. Isn't that what we are as Christians this morning? We are the bride of the groom Christ. Aren't we one day going to be the wife of the groom Christ Well, someday, one day? And so we find in this relationship. You see, salvation this morning is just not believing that Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. That's not the salvation. Salvation is not being baptized in the baptistry. Salvation is not doing good works. Salvation is not being on your best behavior. Salvation is not... A coming to a place where you achieve being the greatest husband or the greatest father or the greatest mother or the greatest wife and you get a ribbon for it or you get some kind of plaque for it that you are the, the mom of the year. You're the daddy of the year. Somehow that equates to being a good Christian. Friend, that has nothing to do with anything of God this morning but what matters is a relationship. Right. A relationship that Christ is our groom and the relationship, you, the church, is the bride. Amen. Now, God said, I don't want my man to be alone. Amen. So God said, this man that I'm speaking of is going to be Christ. And Christ is the one who he's going to have a bride. And this man, Christ, should have a wife. And this man, Christ, should have a helpmeet. Now, man didn't say that. God said that. And so for us to have to be the bride of Christ, it's because God said that. And for Jesus to be our groom, it's because God said that. Because today, you and I that are going to be married to Christ and one relationship, it's because God said that. Listen, I didn't come out of my mother's womb looking for Jesus to be saved. I didn't come out of my mother's womb trying to find my groom, trying to find a place where I could have relationship with Jesus. I didn't do that. I did the opposite, and so did you. We didn't care about Christ. We didn't care about the church. We didn't care about living for God. We didn't care about doing right. We didn't care about what sin was. We're going to live according to our flesh. We're going to live according to our pleasures. We're going to live according to our desires. We're going to live as we want to. Nobody's going to tell us how to live and when to do it and when not to do it. We are on our own. It's a free country. I got free will. I got free choice. I live as I please. You don't like it, lump it. Right? Does that sound like you? Yeah, that's all of us. But God said, God said, I want my man, Christ, to have a bride. That's what God said. So it's God's idea. God's idea for a church. We find the word help me. It means that the church, his bride, will manifest Christ. That's what help mean means. When you read it there in that chapter, chapter 2, and there in verse 18, help meet. It means the manifestation of the groom. So the bride will manifest the groom. Help me also means that the church will reveal Christ. Number three, the church will exalt Christ. Number four, the church will proclaim Christ. And number five, the church will explain Christ. Now, last Sunday morning, we went into details on those things. If you want to know more about that, uh, go back to Sunday morning's message on our website. We find this morning uh, that the word help me, it means to surround, protect, and aid. 
And so as you that are married this morning and you are the bride and he is the groom, uh, he has a helpmeet because God said he was going to give him a helpmeet. And that means as a bride, as a wife this morning, you are to surround and protect and to aid. That's what the church does with Christ. That's what we're all about on this side. That's why in 2023 you're still breathing. And you're still able to go and you're still able to do. Because God said he wants a helpmeet for his son Jesus, which is the groom, and you're the bride, you're the church, and you are to aid and protect and surround him. Amen. Amen. That's, right. That's what God said. And in that mindset of a helpmeet, it also means this this morning. It means to a, a perfect resemblance of himself. So if you have a helpmeet, and if you're married, you do, that helpmeet should be a, a perfect resemblance of him. One like himself in form, constitution, disposition, and affections. The helpmeet is suitable to the nature of the, of the man. Fitting match. A sustainer of him. It is a counterpart, a strengthener of him, the one that is the wife to the husband, the one who's the church to Christ, is one who will promote the motives and the intent of Christ. That's what the church is to do. That's what the wife is to do. A helper to him and for him. Now, this idea of the church this morning is God's. God's idea. Not yours, not mine. It's all about the groom. It's all about him. It's all about concerning Jesus. It's all concerning about Christ. And God has made it that way. And you and I has come to the place as a church that our life is in a relationship with Christ. And in that relationship, it's all about Him. Amen. If today you say you're saved, today you say you're born again, today you say you've had your sins forgiven, today you say your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, today you say you have a reservation in heaven, undefiled, reserved and preserved for you, today if you say that you die and you go to heaven 100% sure and you're not in a relationship that Jesus Christ is your groom and you're the bride, you've been deceived. It's about Jesus. If your life this morning is not about Jesus, then you don't know Jesus. And you have never met Jesus. And Jesus don't know you. Relationship. You can't tell me any relationship in this room this morning that you've been married for one day or a thousand days that you don't know each other. It don't make no sense to tell me that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And that means this morning that he's your groom and you're in relationship with him. But you don't know him. That don't make no sense. There's no way. It's not possible. You know whose idea it was? God's. God's idea. Aren't you glad this morning that God had an idea for the church? He says in Romans chapter 11 verse 36, For him and through him and to him are all things. Is Jesus your everything? 
Is Jesus your world? Is Jesus your life? Is Jesus this morning the reason for you to be here? Is Jesus this morning the one who changed and forgiven you of your sins and given you a new life? Is it Jesus this morning that you want to see? Is it Jesus that you're waiting for? Is it Jesus this morning that you come to worship this morning? Is it Jesus this morning that you're able to hear his name and you're able to sing songs of his glory that it thrills your heart and causes you to worship? Jesus, Jesus, the sweetest name I know. Oh, how I love Jesus. Is that relationship you have? I know I'd keep my head down too. I know I wouldn't look up either if I was listening to a preacher like this this morning if I didn't have a relationship. I'd be ashamed too. I'd be searching in my heart right now, Lord, I, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I have a relationship with you. I don't know, Lord, if you're my groom. I don't know if I'd die where I'd go this morning. I'll tell you, I'd put my head down, but i tell you what else I would do. I'd have my ears open. I'd say, friend, I need to know about this relationship with Jesus. For it was God's idea. God's idea. Number two, can I say this? That the church this morning is not only God's idea, but the church this morning is God's image. God's image. So where would you get that from? Well, look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, again, here's what God said. We're not talking about what man said. We're talking about what God said. He said this, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, we know that the man here is the same man in verse 18 of chapter 2. It's the same one in Ephesians chapter 5 where God through his word and his apostle Paul is presenting to us an understanding of that Christ is the man. Christ in the image of, Christ, of, the image of God. So we find here it's pretty interesting to see that in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 the man Christ says, who being in the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So the scripture says that Jesus is the image of God. We also see in Philippians 2, verse 6, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So now we find that Jesus is not only an image of God, but he's equal with God. Number three, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the first fruit of every creature? So it's very clear in the scripture this morning uh, that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Just like it says. Now, with that being the image this morning, out of man, look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21. The Lord God caused deep sleep to fall upon Adam. Now, Jesus is the second Adam. We find that he fell asleep. He sleep. The Bible says he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof. I preached last Sunday morning that the church is the rib of God. I find this morning, though, that it is the image. The church is the image of God. And we find that because out of man, that is Christ, came woman. There'd be no woman without man. Amen. And so God 
who has said to us that it is my idea to have a church and it's my image for the church to be. Because I have made man and out of man shall come woman. And so out of Christ shall come the church. Amen. You can't become the church out of anybody but Christ. You can't become the church out of Muhammad. You can't become the church out of Confucius. You can't become a church out of Buddha. You can't become a church out of, out of any other prophet or any other founder of any other religion. Only the church can come from Christ. Right? Out of man came the church. Out of man came the rib. And a woman came forth. We find not only out of man Christ came woman, but from man came a wife. Look at verse, verse chapter 22. Chapter 2, verse 22. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman. We find that not only out of man came the church, but, or came a woman, but from man came a wife. Without a man there be no wife. Friend, without Christ, there would be no church. We find thirdly, that in that, uh, because he became his wife, or became a wife there, he says in verse 23, And Adam said, This is now bones of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she be, shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. In other words, it's never to be unseparated, ever. Never to be undivided, never to be unchanged. Nothing will ever be. For now the church in Christ has become bone of bones, become flesh of flesh, and body of body. Amen. Just like the Bible says concerning a marriage, where two becomes one. And let no man, no man, none put asunder of what God puts together. And friend, we'll find in this church and we'll find with this Christ and the church being uh, today the bride and Jesus being the groom in this relationship will never be separated. Will never be divided. We'll never find a place on this side or on eternity where we're not in Christ or one. Man, what a glorious thought. Image. Image. We find that the church is the image of of God. You see, the church this morning is a man, uh, is a body that came from Christ. Amen? It's his body. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 29, listen to this. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. What did he predestinate? To be conformed to the image of his son. What? Whenever you got saved, the whole process and the whole working of God is to take you unfit, taking you broken, taking you full of holes, taking you full of sin and debauchery and depravity and being the worst of all worst of all humankind and Jesus Christ coming into your life and forgiving you of your sins and giving you hope of eternal life. He's put within you himself and because of that, now the Spirit of God by the way of sanctification will come into your lives and he will conform you unto the image of his Son. And who does the image of a son take? The image of the invisible God. <laughs> this morning to be a Christian is pretty high up. This morning to be the church this morning, I'm not talking about the walls. I'm talking about the people. 
It's the image of God. Now, may I ask you a question this morning? If that's true, that's true, and it is. I just read it out of the Word of God. Can you honestly say between you and God, as you look Him square in the eyeballs this morning, and say, God, I am the image of you. Can you say that honestly? Can you say, Lord, I have been conformed unto the image of your dear darling son? Can you say that? If you can't say that, it's because you're not in the relationship between Christ and his church. We find this morning as well that in this thought of image, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47, listen to this. The first man is of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As the earthy, such are they also that are earthly. And as the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. Listen. And as we have borne the image of the earthly. In other words, when we're born, we're born in the image of our father and mother. Right? We're all born in the image of Adam. Genesis chapter 5. And now we find when you have children, your children are going to look like you and look like him or look like her and look like him. He's going to have a combination, right? I mean, isn't it kind of weird that you look a certain way and he looks a certain way and then when you have a baby, they take on both of your looks? And somehow, some way, with the miracle of God, they look okay. I'm just saying. I say no more on that. But the Bible says, and you have been born the image of the earthly, so shall you also bear the image of the heavenly. So when you get saved, when you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, you take on the image of God. And the church this morning, out in the world in 2023, in the last days before Jesus comes, and he's going to come shortly, he's going to come quickly, and he's going to come swiftly. And I pray that you're looking and hoping and ready for the blessed hope that shall return at any time. But before he returns, his church will take on the image of God. So what God said that. He said, my church is the image of God. Is that true in your life? Is that true with you this morning? You say, I don't know if I like those questions you're asking, what is true? You see, we don't want to be duped or deceived. Because if we die, and none of us know that we won't die by tomorrow. None of us this morning has, has been given any time of life, been not promised any time of breath. Uh, I know that your, your, your number Day, your steps are numbered. We know that. Uh, we know this morning that you only have a certain amount of beats in your heart. We also understand that God is the giver and the taker away of, and He is the one to be blessed over it. Amen. And so we know that, that our days are coming. We know that it's appointed unto man once to die, then after this to judgment. We understand all that this morning. But listen, uh, what if you die this morning before you become the church? before you have a relationship with Jesus and become the, the very image of God. Well, say you're 50 years old this morning 
after about a gazillion years in hell, 50 years is going to seem like a short amount of space. I'd hate for anybody to leave out of here this morning and not understanding that the church is God's idea and not having understanding that the church is God's image. And the world today is looking for God. You know what they're telling people are telling them to look for God at? Look in the stars. Where's God? Look in the trees. Look at God. Where's God? Well, look at my chihuahua. Where's God? Man, you know there's got to be a God. I mean, you got earthquakes, you got tornadoes, you got hurricanes, you got, you got all these tsunamis and all this kind of stuff. Surely there's a God. You know what God said? How the world's going to know that there's a God? It's by the church. You know how the, your family knows God is real? By the way you live your life. You know how your children's going to grow up and be saved and born again? And there's no mom and daddy in here who want your children to die and go to hell. I know that. Nobody's in that mindset. But I tell you what, if you don't, they don't see the image of God in you, friend, they won't know God. And there's a devil out there, and there's an Internet out there, and there's a Google out there, and there's false teachers and false prophets out there today who want to take the heart of your children, and they want to take the life of your children, and they want to take them to hell with them, and they want to destroy it and take on the woke ideology that we have today and head a life of satanic and demonic ways of life and take you on that way. And mom and daddy, you don't want them to go that way. The only hope your children have today is become the church. The image of God. Amen. Amen, Brother Larry. I can't believe you're preaching like that this morning. I can. I feel sorry for some of these babies, though. I've seen about yours here, brother. Here, I'm coming down here. Just trying to take it easy. You know, the baby's in a, like, got that movement going on right there. She got that rocking going on. She said, this is a pretty good old place to sleep right here. Who's this loud mouth coming over here to me? Hey, man. You see them, baby? You see them blue eyes? Man, I like that. I asked Jeffrey, man, where's your eyes? The church this morning is the image of God through Jesus Christ. He says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and they shall be one flesh. Who Christ is is who you be. Who God is is who Christ is. That's how it works. We got to get our lives right, church. If you're not saved this morning, you got to get saved. Listen, if you're not right with God this morning, you need to get right with God. It's time to get our lives in line with God. It's time. Number three, the church is the instruction of God or the institution of God. The church is the institution of God right here in these chapters and where it says in verse 24 of chapter 2, the marriage was instituted. The marriage now becomes institution of God. Did you know that? Marriage is not you and your husband or you and your wife. Marriage is of God. God is in the marriage. And friend, we find this morning that it's God that brought forth the marriage. He said, I have I have created, according to the scripture in chapter 1, uh, and there in verse 27, he said, male and female created he them. 
There be no marriage outside of a male and a female. None. For those who may say out there that the male and a male and the female and female, uh, they can be married. No, they can't. I don't care what law they bring. I don't care what uh, amendment they make. I, I don't care and what vote they have. I don't care what society says. I don't care what the government presents. I don't care what the king decrees. I don't care any of that stuff. All I care about is what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says in a marriage, it's a male and a female. Period. God don't change. His order don't change. And this morning, that's not going to change. And so in the institution of marriage, it was a male and a female. God created the church. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it says, It is called the church of the living God. We find this morning that in that saying, in that truth in 1 Timothy, it's the church of the living God. It was his idea. It is his image, and it's his institution. This thing about being a Christian this morning is really not too much about you. He instituted it. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be saved. If it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for him this morning, you'd not have a groom, and you would not be a bride. He instituted it. He's the one who brought it to pass. He's the one who has what knowledge we have about a marriage. Listen, the whole world would know nothing about a marriage unless it said that in the Bible. Nobody would have been married. Nobody would have ever been married all the time of life unless the Bible said it. Did they think that man came up with marriage? No. God came up with marriage. It was instituted by him. He created the church. He cares, or he carries the church. Look at chapter 2 in verse 22. The Bible says, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman. He made the church. He created the church. And brought her unto the man. Listen, it's God that carried the church to Christ. It was God that draws the church to Christ. It's God who, who calls the church to Christ. It's God who sends the church to Christ. None of us this morning has ever went out looking for Christ. It's Christ who came looking for us. It was God that saw us in our sin. It was God who saw us in a dark heart. It was God who says you were dying and going to hell. It was God who saw you destroying your life and destroying others in your life. It was God that saw you in the depravity of the world, in the gutters and the street. It was God who saw you wasting your mind and wasting your heart. It was God who saw you headed the wrong direction. It was God who said, listen, I can't let that one go that way. I can't let that one head that direction. I'm going to come and draw them under my son he drew you you receive Christ as Lord and as Savior you become a bride he becomes the groom the relationship is built and formed and you're called the church institution the church is the institution of God the idea of God the image of God here thirdly this morning he created it and he carries it but he conceives it. Genesis 1, 28. The Bible says, And God blessed them and said unto them, God said again, Boy, God's saying a lot this morning. He said, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. God conceives the church. In Acts chapter 2, and verse 47, 
the Bible says, And the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. Who adds to the church? The Lord. The Bible says in John 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, gave him the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Where are we born? Not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God conceives us into his church. The Bible says in John, 1 John 5, 1, Whosoever believeth in Jesus Christ, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. 1 John 5, 4, Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and the victory that overcometh the world is even our faith. Genesis 3, 20 says, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Listen, Christ called his wife's name church because the church was the mother of all living in Christ Jesus. There will be nobody who ever will enter into heaven except come through the church. You're going to have to come through the church. You're going to have to be the bride of Christ in order to come with the groom. You're going to have to have the body. You're going to have to have the bones. You're going to have to have the flesh. You're going to have to have the image. You're going to have to be the idea. And you're going to have to understand and be part of the institution Amen. of the marriage with God. Nobody has eternal life outside of Christ. And because of Christ, we're the church. Because we came from Christ. Oh, as we look at what the Lord has said in Ephesians now, God cares for His church. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. You're not ready to quit yet, are you? Oh, I didn't think so. There was a relationship formed here in Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says in verse 25, don't turn to keep on going to Ephesians. It says they were not ashamed. In other words, it was just natural. It was them and God, natural. It was, they're not, the word disappointed, it means not ashamed. It means, uh, I mean, ashamed means not disappointed. They were satisfied and they were content. And that's what happens when you become in a marriage with Jesus. You just become satisfied. You just become content. You're not disappointed in any way. So if you're living a disappointed life this morning, then you have a real problem. About the relationship with Jesus. And so we find this morning. God cares. For his church. The relationship is formed. But I saw in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22. The relationship first. The relationship first. The Bible says. And it's in order. Do you notice that? In verse 21. It's talking about. In verse 22. He's talking about the wives. And then in verse 24. He's talking about the husbands. There's an order here. And it's on purpose. This order is. And the order is this church. That the church. Which is the wife. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. As unto the Lord. In other words. You are going to have to be the one. Who first. Does that. 
And if you're in a marriage relationship, you are the one who's first going to have to submit yourself to your husband. This old saying is this, if you would treat her like a queen, she would treat you like a king. That's backwards. If you treat him like a king, he'll treat you like a queen. Amen, Brother Larry. That's what it's saying. See, the world's got it backwards. See, the, the, the woman here is waiting for her husband to treat her like a queen. And then once she gets treated like a queen, she can treat him like a king. Now, what if the church lived on those bases? In other words, you say, okay, God, okay, Jesus, you're my groom, but I'm not going to submit unto you until you do something good for me. I'm not going to obey you until, you know what, you, you really, really show out for me. Now, isn't that crazy? So if I'm this morning as a church, first, we're to submit to him, right? In a marriage relationship, wives, submit to him. And you'll find good things on the other side. But if you don't submit to him, you won't find good things on the other side. In church, when you don't submit to Christ, you'll find trouble with God. The word submit this morning, and we got to understand what that means. So the church is going to submit to Christ first. And that means that it's uh, very important for you to know that this morning, that God is a God of order. He tells us that in 1 Corinthians 14, 40. Do all things be decently and in order. Now, God's not going to change the order because of the woke of 2023. God isn't going to change the order because of your marriage. God's not going to change the order because of the day in which we live. And the order is the order that God has made. And the first in order is that you right now Submit yourselves to Christ. You can't get that done. You can't get nothing done. And wives, if you can't submit to your husbands today, don't expect your husbands to do more. The way to get your marriage in shape, get your marriage into a place where God will bless, is in the order that God has set. Is that right? God's the head. Christ is the head of man, and man's the head of woman. Now, woman, you might want to argue with that, and you might want to say, listen, I don't believe that. I'm of the women's lib. I, I'm, a, I'm of that side where women can do anything that man can do, and I'm of that side where, where women and man are just as equal as it could come. You might say all that kind of stuff if you want to, but if you're going to have a marriage that's going to be God-blessed and God, and God used today, and the husband's actually going to be satisfied, and the wife's actually going to be content today, you're going to have to get in the order of God. And the order of God said this, that wives, you submit to your husbands first. Church, you submit to Christ first. Amen. I know we don't like to hear that because we really just don't want to do it God's way. There's no room in here this morning to live together. There's no room in the Word of God today that you live together. There's no room in that at all. No room that you have a place in the Word of God today that says, listen, I'm going to live with her. I'm going to 
live with him, and we're just going to try it out. We're going to do pro We're going to do a, a pro like a probation period. Yeah, you know, if I like her, she likes me, and uh, we kind of get it going, we kind of get it along, and and everything goes good, and, and this, that, and the other, and then we might get married, and you know, and and this, that, and the other. And it usually works out like this. Usually, the guy will live with the girl, and he'll use up the girl. He'll take the girl and tell the girl, "Listen, you need to go get a job, and you need to go pay your way, and you know, you you need to pay, take care of the family, you need to take care of the the house, you need to you need to cook, you need to clean, you need to do groceries, you need to do the the uh, the floor." You need to make sure the kitchen's all right up. You got to get the, the clothes that are folded. And uh, I'm going to go to work, but I need you to go to work too because you know what? We've got finances and we're going to live together. And so you and me, that makes two. So your income and my income makes two incomes. And so we can get it together like that. Instead of being married, and she would just submit to you. You don't want to be the husband. That means you're responsible. You don't want to be the total bearer and burden of the marriage. So you cop out and be a coward and just live with her and use her and abuse her. He said, Brother, you can't say that. Too late. Too late. It's already said. It's recorded. You can even watch it if you want to. It's the truth. Marriage. Marriage. Christ is the one that we are to submit to first. To obey Christ, as word submit means, it means to subject to Christ. It means to put yourself under Christ. That's what that means. Verse 23, the reason why that Christ is to be treated that way is because verse 23 says Christ is the head. Verse 23, the Bible says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. That's why you submit, because he's the authority. You see, when you live together and not married, this right here don't make sense. There is no sense in this Bible and not married. But when you do get married, it makes a lot of sense for somebody, is like Brother Gary said last night, somebody's got to be the authority. And in God's orders, the man, that's the authority. We find that he's the head. That means the authority. He's the responsible. He's accountable. He's going to stand before God one day and give an account about his wife and his children. He's going to stand before God one day and give an account of his authority and responsibility and his dependability about what he's done in his home. Hey, God isn't going to play no games in these matters. He said to him, you're the head. And being the head, you have authority. And having authority comes responsibility and accountability. Amen. We are a society that don't want accountability. We don't want responsibility. Hey, listen, I'm not going to take any responsibility about anything. Just let me be. That's the way we are today. Nobody wants to be that way. But according to God, the man in the marriage is the authority. And the marriage that we are in, Christ is the authority. And what should we do with him? Put ourselves under him. We should subject ourselves to him. We should obey him as it is in marriage. Number two, Christ is the Savior. 
Verse 23, Christ, the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. That's why we are to submit to him, obey him, subject ourselves to him, because he's saved our souls. He delivered our sin. He's the rescuer. He's the provider. He's the protector. And did you not know this morning, as a husband of a home and the head of your wife, that you are the protector? You are the provider? You are the possessor? How shame, and what shame it is today to have a bunch of homes out there uh, that people who are not married, and there's no head. That's a monster. You ever seen anybody without a head? That's scary. You ever seen anybody with two heads? That's even worse. When you have a wife who wants to be the head, you have the husband who wants to be the head. That's a two-headed monster. Right? In relationship with our marriage with Christ, you can't be the head. You've got to be the tail. Amen? <laughs> you just got to follow where the head goes. Woo! He's the Savior. He's the protector. Hey, thirdly, Christ is the husband. Verse 24. Therefore, as Christ is subject unto Christ, let so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Hey, friend, the church, or Christ is a husband. He's responsible for the church. Husband, you're responsible for your wife. Christ is, is liable for the church. Husband, you're liable for your wife. Christ is at liberty with the church, and you're at liberty with the wife. Christ loves the church. Verse 25, he demonstrated it by his love. The Bible says he gave his life for it. See that? That's what the husband should be doing for the wife, giving his life for it. But that's what the church will be doing for Christ, giving their life for it. That's what we do. Where did the church come from? It's God's idea. It's God's image. It's God's institution. And today, we are to be the one who would die following him. Give it all to him. Lay it down for him. That my life is unworthy unless he's in it. And when he's in it, he's all of it. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. He demonstrated his love by giving his life, by giving it all. I wonder, church, have you given it all? Have you given it all to Christ today, church? Is there anything you're holding back? Are you holding back anything, or have you just gave it all? You just laid it down. Have you done that? I pray that you do. I love your soul. I desire that you would know Christ this morning as a Savior, as the head, and as the husband. And you the groom, or you the bride, and the wife. And that relationship being so beautiful that you just surrender over to him, and he just takes care of you. Anybody like to come this morning and say, Brother, I just need to be saved.
I just want to have that relationship with Christ. I just want to get in this marriage. Maybe you are saved this morning and you're just not right with God and you want to get right. Won't you come? You're ready to make a change. You're ready to do something different this morning. You're ready to get real. And get real means that you're going to have to make some choices and some decisions. Would you come this morning? Would you come? Would you come? Christians are praying. Sinners are searching their hearts. Those are looking down deep right now, examining your life, interrogating you. Say, where am I at with God? I've got to make a decision. I've got to make a choice. This is life and death. This is heaven and hell. This is serious business. How about you this morning? How about you? Sister Sandy, will you tell Brother, Brother Wade to turn this off? with 